false narratives are all around us. Television, film, video, audio, music, curricula and education, writing, public policy, law, and more. And upstream from these narrative wars are the worldview wars. Are you aware of it? And what are you going to do about it? Welcome, friend, to episode 39 of Jesus Smart, the podcast. The horizon we're questing after is that Jesus knows how life works best now, and the future not only belongs to him, it's showing up in the present. Joshua C. Felto is a science fiction author, post-apocalyptic genre. He's a creative, entrepreneurial. He carries a strong interest in thought, worldview issues, society, and culture. And he has a solid podcast, The Writer's Lens, on iTunes and other major podcast apps, focusing on writing, storytelling, entrepreneurial issues, and society and culture. You can visit his website at jclfalto.com, jclfalto.com. This is the second half of our conversation. You can go back to episode 34 to catch the first part. We discuss the war of worldviews, even how in the church many believers are compromised on these issues. You see, we have a personal narrative, our life story, and then from that foundation, we can venture into the arena and do battle with public narratives, which are alien to original design, the intent of our good father. You see, you're called to do more than consume content. Many of you are called to create it, and we engage the conflict. As Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers in his day, we are pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and speculations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of the Creator, bringing every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. The Creator is looking for partnership. Are you willing and ready? feel like that's where as as Christ followers we should be better equipped than anybody else to call crap when we see it you okay. know like we should we should I'm calling crap on that <laughs> you know just that happens to me every day yeah <laughs> and I, I mean but but honestly though if you're if you're walking in the spirit I mean I, I know there's no 100% super correct way of doing it we all fumble through certain things but being able to tap into that source of truth and you know what is what is this that is evil afoot in this narrative here you know is there something here that is trying to move me to you know to conform to the spirit of the age or whatever it might be uh you know we we should feel like we're equipped to to counter that you know we should feel like we we can stand firm and whatever it might be that's trying to to wash us over trying to make us feel like no this is actually true not not this you know and and uh, again, it's a it's a lie as as old as time. I mean, not tale as old as time, but a lie as old as time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, is that uh, we we take the counterfeit rather than the actual thing that we're supposed to be that we're supposed to be. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, Jesus said that you know I am the truth. I am the the life. I am the way. He said you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Um, the truth will make you free indeed. In John chapter eight. Interestingly, in that same chapter, I think John 80 talks about Satan as the father, Hmm. the father of lies. So once we're delivered from that fatherhood and come into the family of God through Christ, you know, we break away from that, those, that deception and 
we're able to progressively understand what is true and what is real. Mm-hmm. And th- I mean, that's such a hard thing for, I think, just the casual Christian to do, uh, especially in today's age with so many messages being thrown at you all the time. I mean, with social media, with mainstream mediums, I mean, there's all kinds yeah, of messages. Yeah, the statistics on the inputs that we receive through media is just yeah. stunning. Yeah, it's stunning. And it's so easy to get distracted, get caught up in something else. And and it's not to say that you should reject every, you know, story-laden thing that comes your way, but rather having more a sense of, you know, I'm not going to be anxious about this, or I'm not going to get caught up in this, or I'm not going to be moved by this in such a way that yeah. is going to make me question everything about myself and, I, and though that might expose something about our walk in some sense uh we shouldn't panic i think is the best way uh to uh to put it so that's one thing i felt especially challenged in because i'm in the business of writing stories and uh feeling challenged in reading really good stories that get a lot of press but looking at their messages and i go well i'm not so sure if i want to write like that you know i don't i don't want to be someone that that pushes that kind of propaganda or pushes that kind of narrative that is not a narrative of, of salvation or it's not a narrative of truth. It's really just an ideology trying to usurp the truth more yeah. than anything else. Yeah, and we're not to be conformed to this age, right? Mm-hmm. Romans 12, 2. We're not to be conformed to this world. It's actually a word which means age, the spirit of this age, but we're to be transformed mm-hmm. by the renewing of our mind that we may like acknowledge and test out and prove what God's will is, good, acceptable, and perfect. That's a process. And, and so as we come to Christ and our mind is renewed, our worldview begins to change, right? There's mm-hmm. like a restoration of a sort of a creation worldview or a higher design worldview. What is your understanding about worldview, Josh? What, what's your, do you have a shorthand definition? And then do you have any commentary on what you'd like to say about just the issue of worldview? Well, the, the issue of worldview is... Uh Oh, man, there's so many things that come to mind on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is that one of the themes you, you really enjoy? Oh, it's engaging? one of the themes yeah. I really enjoy. I mean, the the whole concept of, I mean, like, people like to say that now. Like, here's my worldview on that particular topic. And uh, it could be uh, you know, public policies. It could be something with education. It could be something with art, whatever <laughs> it might be. But the worldview is is usually summarized by what do I think is best policy for everybody? And through my eyes, this is how I think the world ought to be. You know, this is this is how I think the world ought to be. It's my worldview. Uh, through my lens, this is how I think things ought to run if I were king of the universe or so. <laughs> and uh, and that's the that's the space that I love to just kind of poke around in and engage with the most because you could talk to a thousand different people and get a thousand different kinds of worldviews. How many of them are rooted in anything true? You know, is there is there anything that's being is, root- Can I ask, in your opinion, is is worldview a challenge or a problem within the church? You know, the church with a capital C? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, for instance, the political division that you find in the church. I mean, that's the people marry their, their political parties, their affiliations, and that worldview rather than perhaps what God might be interested in. The thing is, is that I... I man, I'm already filtering myself, but but I find don't edit that, yourself too much. Yeah, I know, yeah, I'm trying to do an edit on the fly, but it's it's like yes, we can disagree about certain things about you know politics, but where is it aligned with kingdom thought? You know, where is it aligned with what would God want out of this situation? You know, if we can come back to that, then you, we can find answers to those worldview concepts pretty quickly. 
You know, I, I don't think that it's something that's very murky after all. I mean, I've heard it said like in the political realm, which, you know, just think of politics, not in the nasty way that we normally think about it, like politics on Twitter or something. But just think about like a body politic. How do we live together as a society? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, like like the real thinkers about, you know, some of the early thinkers about politics, like the founders of America, for example. How do we comprise a sort of a social compact? How do we live together? as a body politic, which is safe, which brings the opportunity for success and prosperity for all people and so forth. Upstream from politics is like culture, you know, and I've, I've heard it said this way, and then upstream from culture is like worldview, or, you know, we start getting into the realm of belief systems and theology and philosophy. How you do know? we interact with the world? How do we interact with people? What do I think is best for people? What do I think is best yeah. for me? Yeah. Uh, and that that walks into the church with a million different versions, you know, every Sunday, you know. And it troubles me, though, that somehow, I mean, Jesus said, you know, teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And it, you know, churches normally have strong teaching ministries and, you know, strong discipleship initiatives. Mm-hmm. But somehow we still have worldview problems. I mean, our oldest daughter went to a, a well-known Christian university and we were just stunned. Yeah. We were stunned huh. at what we were hearing from far too much of the student body that were supposedly coming from, you know, church attending Christian homes and throughout their childhood and then, and then coming to a Christian university. And, um, immediately what came up in my mind were we have a worldview problem, Mm -hmm. you know, that somehow there has not been the teaching and the shaping of a kingdom Christian Jesus worldview, if you will. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, it all comes kind of back to that narrative, too, of, you know, where, from what point in the story do you think you're viewing everything happening from? Uh, I mean, I I mean, I have family members that, uh, that I contest with a bit in terms of the narrative of just, you know, the biblical narrative and, uh, you know, the idea that, you know, oh, no, we're all intrinsically good. You know, we're all intrinsically good people and you know, we're just kind of fighting against some bad things every once in a while. And, you know, we're trying to morally be better than other people. And, you know, we have to figure out that there's good in all and there's good in this. And, and you see how quickly there's these these little ideologies that start to seep in. Yeah, and, it leeches and, in. Yeah, they, they just kind of leech in, they infect, and they just, they wrap around, like, our minds. In a, they, wrap around our, they wrap around our minds more so than our hearts. Yeah, like with, if you're looking at, at a college student, for example, which, of course, worldview and as a person is, you know, self-individualizing as an adult yeah. during those years and, and, and maybe taking their faith apart and putting it back together again typically will happen during those years. But, you know, like, how much music has been listened to? What kind of music was it? What about sitcoms and films and mm-hmm. what stories were read and what was in educational curriculum? What... How did this leach into the church? Issues on like marriage or gender or sexuality or I mean, it's just stunning. It is. It is quite stunning. And then, but it's also just how much the church has let itself become complacent in those areas. I mean, I think that just the, you know, for me, I think when I look at the narrative of just the West, for instance, and I and I think mm-hmm. about how the church has been so foundational and just the the founding of the you know founding fathers and just you know there you know we we hold these values to be self-evident mm-hmm. you know that uh you know god uh the god-given right to not violate another person because yeah, natural law right these foundational aspects that are so key to the christian narrative and we kind of go about our lives going that we kind of take for granted that 
you know, we're still going to have our way at the end of the day somehow. You know, there's, you know, somehow God will pick up the pieces for us, and we don't really have to take part in this narrative of fighting back against whatever it is that's trying to wash over us. Mm-hmm. So, I think you can just see it. I mean, just when we were, you were saying the pillars and different things that that the church ought to be more aggressive about you just see how quickly those foundations fall down and we just kind of get complacent and we just say, well, you know, we're still winning the culture. War. No, we're not necessarily. I mean, it doesn't take long to walk out and find out the world's broken, okay, that there's broken yeah. pieces of it. And uh, that's why I feel, especially as a, as a writer, that when you're telling story, you're combating all those other stories that have seeped in or they've they've caused division or they've caused that haze or that fog to kind of confuse our worldview yeah. and, and make us s- sort of seed ground in some sense. And uh, it just... It, it Maybe there's been pressure like political correctness pressure even leaching into the church with leadership or mm-hmm. or, or, or just somehow a lack of awareness of, of worldview and the need to see it as an important part of, of, of um, shaping a congregation of believers, a community of faith. Yeah, and, it, and that's why... You know, again, I, I keep coming back to it, but I think it's it, that's why it's so imperative that if you are a creative, you know, if you are someone that's in that creative circle of, uh, you know, you're a music artist or you're a writer and or you're, you know, even creative in business, right? Yeah, or in, in a business of being creative. I, you know, the the book that you and I just shared by Jordan Rayner called to create, which was so fantastic. I mean, talking about business owners who created a culture within them that was kingdom oriented. Uh, treating every individual based upon the merits of their, you know, their care. I know it sounds cliche, but it's the merits of their character and, and the way they yeah. were going to treat it's each other. It's a great read. What is that title again in the author? Called to Create. Called to Create. Called to Create by Jordan Rayner. And, we'll and try just, to remember to drop that book on the show notes page. You can check that out. Yeah, just just really solid. And it just, but it, it, it just goes to show that by being aggressive in those areas, you know, we can, you know, I guess push, I don't want to say push back is the right, word for it, but really pull people towards the truth. Uh, yeah, we have to be strong, right, yeah. in, in a Jesus worldview, and we have to, let's just backtrack a second, we need to first secure our personal story, our personal narrative, journal, pray, get your heart established on your personal story, and then venture out, mm-hmm. sort of like a, as a warrior, if you will, and, and get in the marketplace of ideas, and <laughs> get in the arena of worldviews, and, and, and narrative fighting, the narrative wars, the content wars, and, and okay, now, Lord, is there any way in which you want me to engage this process? And as we do that, we have to be strong in our worldview, we're saying. We have to we have to be able to identify the false worldviews. There's not too many of them. We could be educated on them. There's different worldviews, four, five, six. I don't know how many there are, but we could identify them, locate them, understand how they contrast with the Jesus kingdom worldview. I mean, if you're going to be on the battlefield, you better know the enemy, right? I mean, yeah. you better be able to I mean, negotiate I, that I, battlefield. A little bit of transparency for me. I mean, I listen to a lot of secular podcasts just, just because I like to know what's out, what's being sure. talked about. I mean, yeah. I, and then, you know, I don't just stick my head in the sand on things you know, because I think that's foolish. You know, you, you got to know what you're, you know, what's you're up against. Yeah, you know, what yeah the, absolutely. What do. the enemy's games are. Granted, many of them are, are very familiar that we would be familiar with just from the biblical story. But being familiar with what is currently happening and what is actually going on outside of the doors of your house is, again, part of the Great Commission, you know, part of being a missionary. I mean, I love uh, this uh, this thing that says at our church, the, the leadership there always uses this terminology that says, 
you know, I'm a missionary cleverly disguised as a bank teller. Okay. Or a missionary cleverly disguised as, a, as an author, you know, yeah. or, or something like that. And, and that's what, you know, I kind of see that that greater story of your life is told, that, you know, people will, people will recognize demeanor and the way you present yourself more so than even the words you say. Because it's with that humility or that gentleness or that the way you present yourself yeah. is also part of your story. I mean, because that's part of... Sort of an you, intangible yeah. energy and essence that you carry in life. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's just recognized. Yeah. yeah. And people gravitate towards that. If they don't gravitate towards it, they get turned off. They, get, they will be affected by it in a way that they're maybe not aware of. You know, like I just... I remember back before I was, you know, really walking with God at all, people that were very patient bothered me so much. Like, I couldn't stand being around people that were just overtly patient or wanted to just serve or give their time away. And I just was like, what are you doing? Like, why Why would you ever give up your... T- like, I, I, I have all this energy. I want to go write something. I want to go read. I want to go watch a movie or, you know. Like, I had all these kind of goals for my day or aims for what I w- okay. wanted to do with my life. Yeah. So this concept of giving up myself to aid another person or or contribute to their story in some sense... That was so foreign to me, you would not believe. And all of a sudden, when the you know the light turned on and the you know the the heart was turned in a sense, and it was like, whoa, wait a second, this narrative is actually true. You know, the people that were doing this, and this it caught my eye though. That was the thing; is it caught my eye. Part of the Jesus worldview, yeah. right? Like, yes, part of the Jesus like worldview. Philippians two, you know, don't merely be concerned about your own interests, but also yeah. the interest of others, right? Yeah, have this mind in you, which was in Christ. Yeah, it definitely surge something in my own in my own heart that was well, I appreciate you being vulnerable with that I can't relate to that at all but I, I appreciate you be, I appreciate you sharing that that's really courageous <laughs> of course Brian yeah <laughs> well I mean it's you know it's it's um so yeah being able to be really developed in the Jesus kingdom worldview with that being able to appraise the counter worldviews that are out there right and I, and I just think we have to be honest. I don't want to appear to be weird or, or spooky or anything, but there are spiritual entities behind these worldviews. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are dark powers that are working those worldviews. It's all part of the cosmos or this world system that is an orchestrated attempt to dis, you know distract you, dissuade you from God, dissuade you from the new heavens and the new earth that are coming, you know, the recreation of all things. We just have to know that there is spiritual warfare. Well, I just I just got done reading a book called Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a it's the story of Reserve Police Battalion 101 from World War II during the Nazi occupation of East Germany. Okay, and uh, the author basically puts forth this narrative of these ordinary police officers who were charged with liquidating Jewish ghettos during the latter part of the war. And the interesting thing about their story is that these were 400, 500 some guys that were just common policemen. And they were just policing the towns, the cities, whatever. They weren't SS, they weren't in totally indoctrinated. Okay. Granted, they were in East Germany at the time. But they were basically given this choice of whether or not they wanted to go down to this ghetto. I think it was Josephakau, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. I probably totally butchered that, and I apologize to any German listeners. But, but, uh, but they were given this opportunity to either walk away from the situation to go and liquidate this ghetto, which basically meant they had to go murder everybody, or 
follow through on the orders that were handed down by the th- by yeah. the, the Third Reich, mm-hmm. and and it was like eighty to ninety percent of them voluntarily went. Wow. And the why the, so high? What's that? Why so high? That seems high. And and well, that's what the whole book was about was trying just this to, pressure, this yeah, just pressure tr- that yeah, it was the pressure of you know was it indoctrination? And that's what the author was trying to get at was were they indoctrinated? Were they just you know a product of their environment? Was it something that the camaraderie was so strong? You know, because there is something to be said for military and police, the brotherhoods, sisterhoods mm-hmm. that also emerge out of out of that. I mean, just professional athletes, you know, that, that form a bit of a bond. You know, for just the things you've been through. Right. And he analyzes it throughout the whole thing. He tries to get through this narrative of what caused these men to go from ordinary men into monsters. Because by the end of the book, I mean, they're totally full-fledged killers. I mean, they're just eliminating people without question. And there's, you know, there's picture evidence of it. I mean, a lot of them went on to become war criminals, things like that. Hmm. But the interesting thing was is that I couldn't get a gauge if the author was a Christian because he's presenting ideas as though, well, was it nature versus nurture? You know, was it okay. was it uh, the in, you know, like the indoctrination of the worldview, the idea that there was this master race that was supposed to take over the world, and you know, were they just so in such a vacuum that they could never get out of it? And the 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 thing is, is that you see the evil behind it. I mean, now we do obviously too. Like we see the evil that was behind that that movement, but but through a gospel lens, just seeing how quickly things can turn south. In anybody's story. Yeah, a very sophisticated nation, yeah. Germany, right? The German mind, I mean, the engineering, the culture, a very, this is not some backwater country on, no. the, on the globe. One of the most advanced nations in the world at the time, right? Yeah, they were highly industrialized. Culturally, educationally, right? Yeah. Um, intellectual capital, just engineering, I mean, superb culture. And yet, yes, taken over by this. And even with that, part of the German church yeah. taken with it. You know, you have like, um, you know, Bonhoeffer's been very popular as of late, books on Bonhoeffer. And I think it's the Lord speaking to us about a prophetic witness that counters. I, I have a hunch that's, that it's the Lord, right. you know, uh, a model of a, of a prophetic witness standing up and resisting, you know, what's what's wrong in society. Mm-hmm. But what was it, the Confessing Church? They formed the Confessing Church as sort of a resistance church, but much of the German Lutheran Church went along with it. I know, yeah. Was infiltrated by uh, Nazism Mm -hmm. and and the occult of Nazism behind it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that just, what's that tell us? It tells us that... It tells well, we can we can we can be duped and deceived and fall. Yeah, we can. I mean, and everyone's susceptible to it. I mean, it just the that old lie that was there, the deceit, you know, the counterfeit, the the new promise, basically. The Third Reich, the new yeah, promise. Yeah, the, the new promise that was given before them, and they fell for it. And uh, you know, as far as trying to uphold the moral high ground as the church, you know, it's it's such a horrible thing to look back on that and go, oh my gosh, the German church was involved in all this. Well, they bought the counterfeit, you know, they bought the, the false promise of whatever it was that was going on, you know, they were susceptible to it. And but it, But it gets back to also just when you're seeing it through that gospel lens and you can recognize that man is sinful and that, you know, his heart is turned to, to selfish desires, even the most hyper-intellectual person can try to analyze this from six ways till Sunday mm. and never come to a definitive answer as to what drove them to do this. And yet again, I would say, you know, if we know the narrative, if we know the story, the grander story that's going on, we know how easy it is to fall into that. We know how easy it is to be tempted into 
something evil or demonic or the spirit that's behind it uh, that, you know, essentially turns us into monsters, you know, like what was in that story. So. Yeah. It's interesting because our English world, world, our English word worldview actually comes from the German word. And I'm going to butcher it. So like you, you had mentioned, if there's any German listeners, please <laughs> forgive. But this is really, please forgive. But uh, Weltenschung, I'm not sure. Uh, a German word meaning a comprehensive conception or image of the universe and of humanity's relation to it. So it's sort of this, this big picture understanding of, of the universe and of our relation to it. What is the meaning? How does it work? And uh, it's how we see and interpret things. When you get strong in your own personal narrative and then you go out into the arena of narratives and you mm. contend with the narrative of Jesus, the narrative of the kingdom, we have to understand that what worldview is, we must become stronger in, in kingdom worldview, right? And what we're dealing with, the false worldviews out there. Being able to be rooted first and then go out into those arenas that we do have talents and we do have giftings in. I mean, that's that's where God probably wants you to go. I mean, and and uh, I mean, I always knew I had a, a bit of a calling on my life as as far as the expression of being a writer, because uh, I enjoyed it so much, and mm-hmm. I, I just loved being a student of it. So I always gravitated towards that naturally, but I never could be firm in it until I had, you know, sort of the firm foundations of you know Judeo-Christian worldview, if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm. or or basically coming to Christ and recognizing Yeah, it. I just see it as like an original design worldview. I mean, mm-hmm. we call it Judeo-Christian. It's sort of a an old traditional term for it, but it's really when we come into Christ, we're sort of reclaimed back to a place of the beginning process, at least, of dominion, the Garden of Eden, the, the creation mandate, you know, to to extend the story and influence of God, you know, through the through the earth. So don't get too too hung up and wound up about Judeo-Christian if that's a problem. It's, it's higher design. It's original design. Hey there, friend. Just wanted to pull away from our conversation for just a moment. Stay with this episode. You know, people want long form. After all, hey, we're trying not to have the attention span of a of a gecko or a goldfish, right? So how are you doing with this? Are you bored with just consuming content? Do you want to express your voice? Maybe start creating content in social media or blogging or video or writing or who knows? There's many different quote unquote channels that you can use to create content. We need to have conversations about these issues, worldview issues, narrative wars, creativity. Keep listening to this conversation and other episodes on Jesus Smart, the podcast. You can go to the show notes for this episode on JesusSmart.com and sign up to receive a free weekly email for next level ideas and practice to advance as a Christ follower. Plus, you'll stay in touch with new episodes and other resources on the way. Let's get back to the dialogue with Joshua C. Falto. You were mentioning that people can become defensive if we come out with our worldview real strong and overtly, right? Mm. Right away, uh, like in a piece of art or a book. You're a fan of being more covert? Yeah, and I, and I mean, it's interesting because if you walk into a bookstore, you'll see different genres that you can walk into. I mean, there's mystery, there's thriller, there's science fiction, there's fantasy, and there's self-help. 
you know, and, and many times you'll get like the religion section or the, you know, the Christian section. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that anytime I walk into the religious section, you know, usually you find the Bible there or you might find a, you know, devotional or something like that. The funny thing is, is that if you walk into any other section outside of self-help, I would say, <laughs> okay. uh, if you walk into say fantasy or fiction or, or, uh, you know, mysteries or th- thrillers or anything, there's all these different worldviews that are behind those pages that are being, sure. that are being it's a great way to put it. Yeah. That are writing all these different stories and different interpretations of, of, uh, you know, how do I see the world? How do I communicate with, you know, the world or whatever? Many of them could be Christian authors. You know, they could be Christian writers that are injecting themselves in science fiction, injecting themselves in fantasy, injecting themselves in, you know, like a crime drama or something like that. Yeah. Or a children's book, even, you know, that they could be the one penning a children's story. There could be themes there, right? That yeah. Are... So that also is just so interesting to me is that, uh, you know, I think we, you know, we kind of walk in there and we're looking for the most attractive thing, the thing we're most interested in and not realizing that, you know, there's a person on the other end that has generated this thought or generated this idea that could have all kinds of different, you know, viewpoints or, you know, a different lens than, than perhaps we do. So that's a point well taken. You can guarantee there's a worldview behind those pages. Great, great, great phrase. And and it's really an appeal if it's, if it's covert, if the writing, the art is, is covert, and we are using like universal design principles from God mm-hmm. as shaping that worldview, right? Mm-hmm. Call it a kingdom worldview. If you want to call it Judeo-Christian, feel free to call it that. But that's going to have an instinctive appeal to people because mm-hmm. that's what they're wired for, mm-hmm. even if they don't know the Lord. Yeah. There's going to be an allure to that. There's going to be something something um, there. That's really good. I mean, I think of um, just kind of counterfeit worldviews, like the humanism worldview, for instance. I mean, just how... Humanism, from what I understand, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, all you Google experts that are listening, (laughs) uh, uh, humanism is alluring or sexy, rather, in the idea that human beings can rationally and logically come to the conclusion that we're special, that that we have some sort of divinity inside of us. Now, what that is, is up to interpretation. Again, if you go to the Bible, it's a very direct answer. It's you're made in the image of God. You're made in the image of of the Holy One. You know, it's not this you know, kind of, oh, we can logically realize that we're special because we're better than chimps, you know, or we're better than dolphins or something <laughs> like that. Okay. But there's, but there is an allure because there is a truth in there that we are special, you know, that we are unique, that we are created with a, sort of a divine purpose. And that counterfeit can, can draw somebody in that direction just because it, it is kind of speaking to the truth. It is in, in some strange way trying to talk about the truth, but lead you over this way instead. Yeah. Good point. That's the danger of it. That's a deception. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's that deception point. So, you know, I, you know, try to, you know, again, coming back to that whole idea of, of, you know, how do we then covertly have truth, you know, in our stories and how do we convey that, that truth in our stories to point back to the truth? I, you know, a lot of times on my podcast, I don't come out and immediately say, well, this is a Christian podcast about creativity. You know, I don't, I don't do that necessarily not because I'm ashamed of it of saying that whatsoever but just rather kind of having my own moment of look I'm going to present to you some principles of things that that I feel are important and here are some foundational pieces of what I try to do with my own work and how I go about even coming up with ideas my hope is that people would find that attractive and then dive deeper you know and find out well what is it why does that work you know why is that interesting to yeah. you you know why is that i think you're really handling that well with the approach that you've chosen to take there you mm-hmm. know with your audience oh, thanks 
that because because once in a while you do let out a little clue you know like a little <laughs> a little something which can okay you know but it's not overwhelming you know it doesn't drive people away it doesn't make them nervous or you know so as a creator i mean maybe like um as a science fiction writer um maybe there's other content that you're creating josh are you that maybe if they come to your site for example your blog mm -hmm. where there would be or, or will there be perhaps a more overt presentation of yeah i mean of, I, it's uh, good the jesus following jesus yeah i mean that's a good question i've kind of danced around a couple different ideas i mean i i've i kind of have a heart towards uh the a lot of people call it the boy crisis in the United States right now. Okay. Uh, which, uh, the summarize very quick, is sort of this cultural war on boys. And I, I have a bit of a, of a soft heart towards that, uh, just being that I grew up in a household with five brothers, right. no sisters. And it's not to say I don't have a heart towards women, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I just see so much in our culture that is a, a narrative that is trying to teaches that boys are just bad you know and I mean that is an example of, of, a, of a narrative yeah. which is destructive really yeah it's destructive to I mean it's destructive to it's destructive to both sexes really is what it is I mean because uh, there's this narrative now that you know women are not only equal to men but they're better you know that they're that they're over top of men in some in in every aspect you know whether it's you know running a business or running a family or making decisions you know easy decisions every every day and men lose this ability to lead and to serve and to show initiative to provide yeah, a lead and, you yeah. know and, and help their households essentially mm -hmm. and emasculation the, and the worst thing about it is that you know it always trickles down you know so it always trickles down and we always try to kind of in our flesh try to pinpoint an exact diagnosis and it's never the absolute like we're all sinful it's always something like well, maybe it was childhood, and boys just need to be more like girls, or boys need to just be less uh, active, you know, or they need to do more girl-type stuff, or girls need to do more boy-type stuff, or things like that. And, and there's, there's wiggle room in there for, for some of that. But this, uh, you know, this kind of emerging crisis I see of how boys are just told that, look, you, you can't really do anything. You know, you can't really be a boy. You know, you can't really, you know, explore the world with your, with your body. You can't beat it up. You know, you can't, uh, you know, get in a little scuffle with your brother, you know, and, and things like that. And, and I just look at that as being, a, a, you know, a horrible narrative for, for young boys, you know. At, right. That is, it projects into manhood and into family life, right? Yeah. Into cultural issues, you know, like I have leadership. Son, yeah, and I have a son who's three right now, and I just, I, I see how, important it is that I, you know, n not only do I raise him with kingdom principles, but I'm also teaching him his worth as a boy, you know, not to reject the idea that, you know, being a, because the world is going to tell him all these things that he's, and then my daughter too, you know, I have a little girl as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, both of them need to know their, their identities in Christ, but also their worth. So there's been an assault on gender stuff, all a whole bunch of gender things, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Gender yeah. identity, gender confusion, masculinity, femininity, femininity, femininity. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? You know. So you feel that that is one of the that's pinpointing sort of a false narrative out there that you feel you have a, like a burden for, and you have a, a hunch that the creator wants you. That's part of what you're to address. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I just look at a lot of the the narratives in Hollywood, for instance, how we we 
there's this big narrative now where they're, they're doing all the gender swaps of popular movies. I mean, they did the Ghostbusters, the all female Ghostbusters. They did the they're doing the, they did the all female Ocean's Eight. Okay. Uh, or you know, there's been talks of doing like a James Bond female character, and yeah, I mean, I I understand that there's a need to explore creatively you know, these different things and stuff like that. And I might be, I might be stretching this a bit in some sense, but, but I also recognize that there is this narrative of like, you know, women can do it too and do it better, you know? And, and I, and it's not, again, I'm not trying to say that I'm against women's rights or anything. I trust you can feel that from me, Brian, just looking (laughs) at me. No, no, I can feel it. But, but the, but the reality is, is that both men and women. I know your wife's listening, so. Yeah. Well, both men and women have equal worth and value sure. in, f- in front of the king. Gender. Gender's God's idea. Yeah. And we can't be caught up in this war between them. You know, That's right. And, it's, and, and right now there is a war between them that we've been told there's a war. Mm-hmm. Academia, news media, people, the George Sor- Soroses of the world and people who are trying to manipulate us with social engineering and even geopolitics. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, it's being foisted upon us. That's an example of a content war or a narrative war. How do we bring to bear the kingdom or the Jesus worldview in that space? And you're, and you're saying you got, you feel you have a unfinished business there. You have a part to play there. Yeah. And I've really been trying to navigate the best way to go about that because, uh, (laughs) I think the you're a thoughtful thinker, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. When you when you, you said need to listen to Josh's podcast, man, the guy's <laughs> solid as a rock. Okay, just just tune in. Yeah, because I've I've been, I appreciate that, Brian. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to figure out like what is the most effective means as a storyteller to to a stand firm in, in kingdom principles and b be of the right response to narratives that I see that are counterfeit. And when I look at like the gender wars, for instance, that you know Hollywood pushes, or just the world in general pushes, that there's supposed to be this war between men and women, that you know men are supposed to be over top of women, or women are supposed to be over top of men, or whatever. Like, what does God say about that? You know, what what does God say? What does He want us to say about that? Because I think there's such a there's such an allure and a tendency for us to speak emotionally and irrationally right when we see it. You know, we want to immediately call it to the... Yeah, you don't want to get all, get all churchified and, yeah. you know, have a, big, have a big church moment about it. Right, yeah, you know, it, yeah, <laughs> you don't... A churchy moment out in the culture. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want to attack it I in mean, such I think a... some of the churchy moments we have, the Lord's not even pleased with it, but, but that's another topic. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, no, you're, but, you're, but you're right on, though. I mean, it's, uh, it's how do you combat this narrative by recognizing it first of all that it is a, a counter narrative to god's design yeah and then coming up with a more attractive one and so you know i again like i said i've thought about this quite a bit and just how to navigate that space yeah uh from a creative standpoint and it's and it's multi-layered i mean it's across music it's across film it's across all expressions that we find in our culture that are we creating adequate channels where people can go to and, and see that this is actually the proper design. This is the real narrative that God is trying to tell you for your life. I like that, life. channels. Yeah, for yeah. your life and for uh, for everybody, you know, like what's best for, for you, what's best. I, I thought this was really good. I was listening to the podcast Unbelievable uh, with Justin Brierley. I don't know if, if, you, if you've heard of it or tuned into it. He's, yet. Uh, he's based out of uh, uh, Great Britain. Okay. And it, uh, it's, it's a it's a Christian podcast, but he invites a lot of different thinkers, worldview thinkers on there. Awesome. 
and uh, check it out. Yeah, and then he just he's doing a series right now called the the big discussion or the big conversation is what it's called. Okay, and he'll bring in two people who will kind of debate and they'll have a conversation on a different aspect of worldview, for instance. You know, like psychologically, what do we think of the culture wars or. Uh, was Paul out of his mind? You know, was he really out of his mind when he was writing those letters in prison? You know, or, and you'll have scholars debating with each other. Or you'll have prominent professors, you know, sharing their knowledge with each other. And I, lo- I mean, I eat that stuff up. But uh, you gain so much knowledge, I think, from listening to these people that have studied and been out in those areas. And even people that aren't of, say, Christian backgrounds will almost openly admit it in some sense they'll be like well yeah you know it's funny how you always see this counter narrative going on or you see this like push and pull and culture that like there's a there, there seems to be a real agenda behind it like we always think like we always use the term well they're doing it you know like they like they is a, an entity of people that we can't see or touch <laughs> <laughs> that, are, that are pushing this yeah. agenda yeah and uh so i you know i, I don't like to create the theyism but I do recognize that there's a spirit behind it. There is a spirit moving behind certain narratives that, you know, as, a, as again, as a Christian, like we should be so in tune with that. You know, we should, we should be, and, and we really need to go pro in, in this regard. We need to become tactical. Mm-hmm. We need to become, um, you know, uh, Paul in Corinthians, he, t- he wrote very, like, he became very tactical. He said, and I don't know if it was in Athens in the book of Acts or some other Mm. great spot where it was sort of a center of philosophical thought. Maybe it may, it may have been Athens, but he says, you know, we are destroying speculations, you know. <laughs> We're pulling down strongholds. What, what 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 was he talking about? He was talking about, like, prevailing worldviews and philosophical systems of mm. thought. We're bringing every thought captive, he says, into the mm. obedience of Christ. It's a powerful chapter. I think it's there he says that I'm fully weaponized. You know, he's given us weapons, you know. We're, we're like, we're armed, and we're fully weaponized. We're able to go out into the arena of narrative and worldviews and content. We're able to we're able to bring every thought captive. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean that everybody's going to accept or receive it? No, it does not. In fact, most probably will not. What it does mean is that there's an adequate witness of the gospel of the kingdom in those areas. And as you said, I like the phrase you use, Josh. We need to open up channels. There need to be channels, alternative channels of content or narrative. And that could be what? It could be a book. A book is a channel, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It a different medium of some kind. Different that... medium podcasting. It could be YouTube. It could be, you know, I, I, I guess it could be on the street corner if, if you yeah. want to do that. I mean, <laughs> open up a channel, go open up an analog channel, right? It doesn't have to all be digital, but speak. You know, the Bible talks about get yourself up on a high mountain and raise your voice. You know, trumpet forth the, the, the message of God. Mm. I think it's you, big boy stuff. It's big girl stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's big boy, big girl stuff for sure. I think the call to action is absolutely there, though. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. The CTA, the call to action is there. Yeah, it's just it's it's totally it's a there. mandate. Yeah, it's totally there. And 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 this is an area too where I, I think I struggle sometimes is that knowing that my words are out there, knowing that my thoughts are out there. You know, Lord, am I? Am I doing this selfishly? You know, am I just trying to push my own agenda? You know, are the things I'm creating, you know, are they pointing back to you in, in some in some sense? And, uh, you know, just to challenge myself in that uh, and to keep myself honest. I mean, my, my wife doesn't really, it's so funny. I mean, we're so right and left brain. My wife and I were just very, di- you know, very different in that, in that uh, area. Together you have the whole mind of Christ. Yeah, we have the whole mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, it, but it's so funny because... I could struggle coming up with a story idea or thinking about like, how do I get through this next 
whatever chapter or idea, and I could fumble with it for a couple of days or a week. <laughs> and then finally it dawns on me, you know, we're talking about the weapons that we have. Like, my wife is right there, and I just will ask her, like, what do you think about this? And she'll just, you know, like, cut right through it and just be like, why didn't you just say that? And, <laughs> and I go, just wasted five days fumbling Yeah, up. and I go, wow, like, that was so insightful. I'm so <laughs> sorry I didn't ask you sooner. <laughs> you know, like, why didn't I just ask you sooner? That was some incredible wisdom. I love it when couples get on mission together, you know. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that with Ivan and Desiree Shores. Check out the episode... Mm, 24 I think uh, stop cheating um, how to not have an affair great conversation with them but they're an emerging couple on mission together and every couple is on mission together in some way mm-hmm. I think so maybe some more directly or overtly than others mm-hmm. but there's power in that our, our spouses and, and two just being a creative I mean I think sometimes we think that as a creative it's a it's a solitary journey yeah you know it's something that you know God's called us into and you know God has made us for this and and I think artists, uh, you know, artists of all kinds, shape and sizes, you know, just whether you're building a sculpture or you're writing a book or you're writing a song, we think it's, it, I mean, it ultimately is a very lonely, in a sense, isolated room. You're in there doodling or you're doing something or you're outlining, but inviting your spouse. Inviting in, your spouse is really part of your key creative mm-hmm. community that you, yeah. you, you run with. So what do you recommend? I mean, obviously you're with your spouse mm-hmm. constantly, which is wonderful. As, as far as being in, just a little sidebar, but as far as being in another aspect of a community of creatives, what do we need? Periods of engagement with, with a community of creatives and then mm-hmm. isolation, yeah, like an ebb and a flow. Yeah. Because abs- we do our creating mostly in isolation, don't mm-hmm. we? But we need the creative Yeah, we need the, we need the We need the think tank. You know, we need the brain trust, you know, every now and again to get together and... And kind of stimulative to us, yeah, to stimulate us. I mean, if we get in a funk or we're in a rut or something like that, (laughs) and and just to kind of creatives in a funk, really, yeah. Yeah. Does that ever happen? I don't know. (laughs) Wow. Uh, But but having the community of of the creative mindset, and but this is also too just back to worldviews. I mean, just uh, um, you know, having people around you that are on your team. You need to run with some people. You need to have sort of a creative family that you run with, Mm -hmm. and. uh, you know, yeah, it's it's not meant to be done in, in, in total isolation. Mm-hmm. And you can really accelerate things. And I love your idea of listening to other voices, listening to voices from the other side, mm-hmm. even. But not to get too lost in that, either. You know, Picking that, up the cultural trends, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. not to get lost in it, but understand what we're swimming in. And then just, you know, real quick, just to go back to, you were talking about spouse engagement. I think that was something, too, that... Uh, when my wife and I were getting married, you know, one of the questions in our premarital was, you know, what's something that you admire about, you know, your spouse to be mm-hmm. basically. And my wife said, Josh's creativity is writing, you know, cause I can't do it. You know, it's just something that I don't know how to do and I'm not good at it necessarily. Um, but I, I'm just kind of amazed that he can take the time and, and do those things and, and come up with ideas that I would never even fathom. And then, you know, me on the other side going, yeah, and she's amazing with a checkbook. You know, like, you know, just her mind for finances and, and per, you know, financial projections and being able to haggle and negotiate things and just being able to keep which a very, I'm not saying for you, but it could be a challenge with creatives, right? Yeah, which is yeah, because <laughs> numbers you know, and yeah, because we like to live in the improv. We like to live in the moment of of, <laughs> of the inspiration that comes to us. But but uh, but there, but it's so imperative, I think, if you're married and you're a creative, that you're inviting your spouse into all these ventures, you know, to not get lost in a vacuum. Um, yeah. 
talk, I, talk I, together, pray together. Yeah, because that ultimately becomes part of both your stories. You know, you were talking about narrative and and you know how is God inviting us into this larger story? And you're saying you know being on mission together. On mission together. Yeah. And, and, you know the archetype is Adam and Eve, of course. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to talk about you know if we're going to use that template in the garden of you know, cultivating creation, drawing out its potential, extending it throughout the earth. Um, it's interesting to me in Matthew 19, when they were trying to trick Jesus about marriage, he says, look, from the beginning, it's not been this way. And he took them back to Genesis and mm. <laughs> God created them in his image, male and female. He created them. And it talks about how, you know, really the Godhead downloads the image of God into the earth in the form of a man and a woman. Mm. There's gender there. Yeah. There's marriage. There's a couple on mission together. You can see why Satan assaults gender. Part of the narrative war is gender. It is masculinity. It is femininity. It's everywhere, folks. Mm-hmm. The, the The narrative wars are, are out there, mm-hmm. and there's more of it than we even know. Content wars. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of trying to emerge into the content wars, into the narrative wars, doing that for different people. It's different how they express that. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's probably a set of channels that over the course of your life that um, are available to you, I think. Yeah. And if you're and as a creative, we want you. I mean, the I, th- I think the the general thought is major on being a creator of narratives and contents and sort of minor on being a consumer of, you know, mm. which most people are mostly all they're doing is consuming mm-hmm. content and narrative and they're not creating. Some people know that they're called to create and are, are already have a real awareness of that. Others are sort of like, I don't know, embryonic or, or they're going to emerge. They don't quite know yet. But once you start doing it, major on being a creator, mm-hmm. I would like to say. What do you think about that, Josh? I like that. Major on being a creator of content and narrative, starting with your personal narrative, mm-hmm. your personal life story narrative, and then putting narrative out there in, in, in whatever shape or form. And minor on consuming. I just I just want to be more of a creator than a consumer generally. No, that's good. That's really good because when we're consuming, we're not really necessarily thinking or being engaged in a sense that we're being active about anything. We're just literally sitting there downloading stuff and we may not be filtering it at all. You know, we may just be downloading it and just turning our brains off. Yeah. And that's I, I think that's also why, you know, my wife and I try to be as good as we can with our kids watching television. You know, you want them to be active. You want them to be playing with blocks and moving and doing all kinds of different things at, at a young age. And Yeah, we live in a digital world. It's We yeah. can get swamped easy. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, being a creative doesn't mean you have to sit and create a thesis. I mean, you just, there's all different ways that you do that. I mean, it's about engagement. It's about being active. It's, it, it's not about becoming sedentary and, you know, getting into routines of just consuming. Oh, yeah, yeah, very well said. I, I, I think... Perhaps, I don't know what your thoughts are, the, the most creative thing we can do is pray, um, enter into conversation with God, and um, really sort of ex nihilo, just out of nothing, create mm. things that he wants to see happen. He does that, you know, he does that through bringing awareness of it to us in prayer, and then we engage in a process of prayer. It really seems that from the garden on forward, it seems that the normal modus operandi of God is partnership. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, once in a while he will seemingly sovereignly, arbitrarily just do something. I think Isaiah says, I searched for an intercessor. I searched for somebody. I couldn't find him. So I just did it myself. But that's more the exception than the rule. I think he searched it. He he was searching for someone. 
That's the whole point there. <laughs> he, he was looking, and, and that seems to be his, you know, another Old Testament prophet says, you know, does God do anything except he first reveal it to his prophets? And so there's like this awareness, and then we pray it, we proclaim it, we, we work it into being, and we see things come ex nihilo. I think it's the most creative process of all. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Brian, on that. Well, Josh, I look forward to more conversations on these themes. I just see this as a one-on-one, a primer. Oh, yeah. This whole thing of narrative wars. And I'm, I mean, I've been resonating a long time on content creation, and mm. and I've known there are narrative wars, content wars. I've always been big on worldview issues. Let's, let's see um, how we can further the conversation. We invite, you know, if listeners want to go to the show notes page for this episode. You can leave comments, questions, contact directly through the contact page. I'm going to try to put something on, on my site, uh, Josh. It's uh, SpeakPipe, I think it's called. Have you heard of this? Mm -mm. It gives people an opportunity. I'm a lot if, in this conversation. If they, if they want to leave a 90-second voicemail message oh. with you, it, it, they can just click a button and speak right through their computer. And, oh, that's cool. And uh, ask a question or make a comment or say, you guys, that's crap what you're talking about, whatever they want to say. <laughs> it's the Internet, man. People can do whatever they, they can say whatever they want. I'm calling crap on that whole episode right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on crap. Thanks, Josh. And it's, so it's JCL Falto, right? F A L T O T dot com. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about social media handles? Uh, so I have an Instagram called The Writer's Lens. Okay. Uh, I use it sparingly. I do use it once in a while. Uh, sometimes I'll put like short clips from my podcast on there, about okay. 20, 30 seconds worth. That's specific to the podcast then? Yeah. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter too, but I'm not as active on there. I'm kind of, I'm not really a, twi a Twitter person. Okay. Uh, but I am on Facebook at JCL Felto and uh, naturally through Podbean and iTunes for the podcast for the Writer's Lens. And you can find my books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. Uh, they're out there. The Road to Mars is my latest one. And I've done a couple of short stories uh, like The Scientist's Dilemma, The Color of Soul. And the podcast, encourage you to check out the podcast. And especially, especially if you're a writer or aspiring writer or creatives, um, just some rock solid stuff there on the writer's lens. All right. Thanks, Josh. I, I know we continue to talk personally, but we'll keep the conversation going. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thanks, All Brian. Right, man. I really appreciate it, man. All right. It's been great. My friend, prayer is the most creative thing we can do. In a real sense, we co-create with the creator ex nihilo, that is out of nothing. Though it's in the mind of God, in the destiny which he has created, even the predestiny or the predestination, prayer conditions us, prayer positions us, prayer empowers us to align with the mind of God, with the story of God, and to really make a dent, to really leave a mark which cannot be erased, all for the story of Christ. I hope this conversation moves the needle in your thinking about the narrative wars and what your part can be in the conflict. Stay tuned to this podcast because you'll hear more about these types of themes. And visit JesusSmart.com for articles, podcast show notes, and more. This is the second part of our conversation. You can catch the first half in episode 34. And don't forget to visit Joshua Falto's website at JCLFalto.com. J-C-L-F-A-L-T-O-T.com. Thanks, friend, for rating, reviewing, and following this podcast, iTunes, and other major podcast apps. It's also on Spotify, YouTube, 
It helps others discover the content to see if it's a good fit for them. Plus, it keeps you connected. Here's a good idea. Grab a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media. You can tag it with Narrative Wars or content or content creation, maybe speak up or whatever you feel. Or you can share it directly from your favorite listening app. Visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. You can leave thoughts and comments there. There's also a contact page. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is brilliant. Make it a smart week and all the best until next time.